right everyone happy monday super excited for today's session because we have one one our team today joining us uh and you can ask a lot of questions about lake house uh, about apache uri about one hours about data and analytics to kyle and nadine on the rabbit show today so we'll be discussing a lot about this in uh, as i can already see someone owes a linkedin user typing in hashtag one house uh what you can all do is uh once you kind of uh jump into the show you can always type in hashtag one house in the chat and what we'll be doing is uh collecting all of these and uh, also making sure that we're picking winners there'll be two winners who can who win airpods so feel free to type in i'm just checking if everything works the entry does work so feel free to type in I see Sanjeev joining us. So we are live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. I can see someone from uh, YouTube joining us as well. So very cool. All right. So like I mentioned, obviously we'll be talking about uh, the lake house landscape, what's on the horizon for the Apache OD community, about one house and much more. So I'm very excited. And, uh, uh, you know, it's time for me to not make our guests wait, because I'm sure uh, when we were talking backstage, they were pretty excited too. So let's uh, get them up here. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the Ravid Show. Hey, Nadeen, welcome Hi. to the Ravid Show. Hey, Ravid, how are you? All good. I am, uh, like I was telling my audience, I'm super excited to learn about the lake house uh, landscape, about Apache OD community, where Nadine kind of, you know, does a lot of things, uh, and also about what One House is up to. So, uh, you know, why not for our audience, let's start with your introductions and then we can get deeper into all these topics. Sounds good. Awesome. So, Kyle, or anyone? Yeah, I'll get started. Um, so hi, everyone. I'm Nadine, and I'm actually based in Seattle, Washington, along with Kyle. Um, I've been at One House for just about five months or so, focused on the open source side with Apache Hoodie. And it's been an incredible ride. Uh, the community is growing really fast, anywhere from active GitHub contrib contributions to people helping other people in the community with getting started on Hoodie. Um, prior to One House, I was at Roxat for almost three years leading their uh, developer initiatives. Great. Fantastic. Thanks, Nadine. Kyle. I'm Kyle. I'm head of product at One House. I've been in the data space about 10 years. Um, I built several um, large scale global data platforms, things for um, products like Office um, and Bing, if you know Bing search engine, which is gaining a little bit more popularity now with chat GPT <laughs> going on. And in the past, yeah. I was. I was telling my friends, maybe this will actually be an asset on my resume one day if, if uh, it starts to get a little popularity <laughs> lately. But uh, I built uh, uh, several data platforms internally at, at Microsoft, then I switched to building data products itself. And so I was in the Azure Machine Learning um, uh, landscape, and I built some new features to get R and Python execution inside SQL Server, some fun stuff there. Um, if people want to chat about the good old days that way. And then uh, most recently, I was a product lead for Azure Databricks, and people probably know Databricks on the show. So I was a Microsoft mm. employee, and and we partnered with Databricks. We made an amazing product, Azure Databricks. And um, I was there from when it first launched up until about a year and a half ago when I decided to jump ship and 
come to this brand new startup uh, called One House. So we're building in, in a similar space um, in the data lake and, and lake house kind of space and trying to make data lakes easy, trying to make it um, super fast and convenient to pick a data lake architecture, or lake house architecture and, and get started to go. So excited to be here with you, Robin. Awesome. Pretty interesting uh, backgrounds you both have, and uh, I'm super ec excited about it. And I'm sure, Kyle, one day that might uh, uh, stand out in your resume, the being. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, but since we are on this topic of uh, data landscape, and uh, who better than both of you you're, that I can ask this question about, uh, we all have seen it evolving uh, so much in the past five years or so. Uh, you know, obviously, from the conversations you have had with people in the landscape, uh, what do you think? How are they rethinking their data infra? What are your thoughts, Nadeem? Maybe you want to go first. Yeah. So one of the things is there's definitely a lack of developer experience and maturity with working um, specifically on data lakes. One of the things that comes to mind if you're a data engineer is probably Spark. Um, and some someone has some, if you're a data engineer, in data engineer you've worked with it in one way or another. Um, but you probably will want to be experienced with working with data frame manipulations, um, building and maintaining ETL pipelines. But let's say if you're able to do this, then you actually have to deploy and scale your Spark application in the cloud. And this is where you can get into errors and failures, and it can be hard to debug. And you'll definitely want to have some Spark expertise or hire someone who has Spark expertise to deploy systems or to, to deploy and maintain production systems. Um, so one is the technology. The second um, challenge is comes with performance and latency. So first mm -hmm. off, I'm sure many of us are aware that data lakes store uh, unstructured and structured data. But in order to make unstructured data queryable, you have to make it structured. So you want to create batch processes that could take anywhere from 30 minutes to hours um, in order for it to be queryable. This means that potentially your data application could be displaying stale data to your end users, and, and that's not too good, right? The other challenge with data lakes is you can actually have a lot of small files, which can impact query performance because the query engines um, will have to scan through the small files in order to return the results, and then you do something with the results. Um, finally, another challenge could be around uh, data gov or just in governance in general. Your data lakes can turn into data swamps, and I know that's a topic talked quite a bit in the data world because there's a lack mm. of organization and categorization, um, and this eventually can lead to some security and permission issues. But with all of these challenges, there are starting to, within the last few years or so, there are starting to have more products or more products are entering the market. So it can be easier to work with data lakes. One of them is, for example, like FS, which provides like version control. Think of like Git for code, but Git for data. Um, so you mm. can put in your data lake whenever you need it. Um, another good project is Great Expectations. It's open source. It's a pl pluggable and open source tool that allows engineers to help assess their data quality by allowing you to write tests and, and review reports. So many more entering product, uh, many more entering the data, the scene with um, like Air, uh, Apache Airflow and Absolver. So with these uh, technologies centered, and these all of these technologies are centered around improving your experience with working with data or improving your experience with working with data in your data lakes. Pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
I think um, a couple of trends that I'm excited for in the data lake space mm. as well is, um, like Nadine said, the the developer experience is um, is poor. It's maturing. It's you know if you look at Gartner um, and they project and they build these like hype cycle graphs um, and they talk about new technologies that are on the rise and then as they fall into what they call the quote unquote trough of disillusionment. And then they go through um, this next phase where they, they where they get to ma uh, maturity. And as Nadine called out, you know, data lakes, they're actually, if you look at the Gartner hype cycles for 2022, I'm sure they're going to release new ones for 2023. But data lakes are squarely in the trough of disillusionment. And they're at the bottom of that trough. They're starting mm. to come around the bend and, and turn. So people went through this whole hype cycle of data lakes when search engines were born, when um, these uh, uh, large scale systems needed a, a new path and a cheaper path than, than traditional data warehouses, which have been around for decades. But uh, now in this trough of disillusionment, I'm, I'm excited, like Nadine called out a few examples, like new companies are all building in the data lake space and are working towards bringing data lakes out of that, that trough. Um, and I think uh, the emergence of the lake house um, uh, architectural mm. pattern is a big part of that, helping us uh, uh, push that path forward and make data lakes mature. Um, another piece that I think is interesting is, is looking at the convergence of streaming and, and batch data. Um, traditionally, um, uh, you know, people would have to choose between one or the other. Am I going to run right. large intervals of batch data processing or am I going to pony up and pay uh, expensive services and expensive compute to try to make my data really fast? And uh, something that's exciting we can get into later about, you know, with Apache Hootie and these other Lakehouse kind of projects, especially Apache Hootie has like an incremental processing framework and you can make the data uh, right. uh, process really fast and, and efficient and you can combine these streaming and batch workloads um, throw away these old school Lambda architectures um, and not have like uh, divergence and forks in your systems and data silos around certain products that help you get faster batch or streaming uh, workloads. Yeah. No, I think. Um, yeah. Go ahead, please. Oh, no, I was going to say like another challenge with this is, you know, the, the role of the data warehouse. Um, and the landscape, exactly. many people are reevaluating their data warehouse role in the data infra because of the explosions of cost. So many engineers are working with streaming sources like CDC to build their data applications, right? Um, MongoDB mm. has CDC, uh, you can do Postgres, DynamoDB, et cetera. And if you're building like apps like recommendation or personalization, you'll want to probably incorporate some sort of streaming source. But if you send that streaming data to a data warehouse, you'll need to do like frequent updates. Um, and what does this eventually lead to? expensive merge operations. And this is the bulk of right. the costs, which will lead to high compute costs in data warehouses. Um, and so this is, uh, and, and the really interesting thing is uh, when data warehouses were coming along, streaming sources or streaming data was not a thing. And so it wasn't really built to handle these use cases. The other thing with data warehouses is that they're immutable. Data is stored to disk permanently and all updates are append only. So you cannot rewrite over existing records. Um, so if, you know, and so this is because data warehouses, again, were not designed to work with streaming data. But let's say if you have a data stream that's interrupted by, let's say, a loss of a signal, right? And it arrives late to the data warehouse. The warehouse will have to write the new data completely and then rewrite the existing data. So everything in disk is stored in the right time order. 
So that's that's a that's another big cost too, right? Um, so the thing is that the reason why data warehouses are are so easy to work with is that they've been around longer and the maturity is there with data mm. warehouses. But when you start maturing your data application or you start maturing your data infra or you you know or your data application, right? Um, you're going to want to incorporate. Um, a lot of data sources. You want to have a lot of diverse data sources, like with streaming data and other things. Um, and potentially, um, you'll want to build different use cases for real time and potentially for batch, whatever then goal for the company is. But if specifically, if you're working with streaming data, um, and if you're sending it all to the data warehouse, this is where the compute costs can shoot up. Um, and, and if you're an engineer and you're building uh, these systems, this is where you can start to feel the limitations of a, of a data warehouse. Interesting. Kyle, what do you think about, you know, the vendors in the space in other vertical silos? Uh, any Anything that you can share? Yeah, that's actually um, one of the motivations or uh, core um, mission statements that we have here at One House. So uh, the, the world that mm. I see today, most um, companies are building what I see as vertical optimized um, uh, stacks. And they start with a um, compute framework, whether that's Apache Spark or Flink or... Um, Trino, Presto, these these different uh, compute frameworks, and then they build um, their data to be optimized, and they you know they try to drive retention and, and uh, dollars towards that compute framework, and so everywhere from the processing of that data down to how that data is stored, and the multiple layers of optimizations of of how to make that data um, more useful, more valuable, more fast and efficient. Um, uh, all these companies are motivated to keep you in, in one, one kind of ecosystem. With uh, One House right. specifically, we, um, the product we're building, we can get into it later if, if folks want to chat, but um, yeah. we are building like a hor more horizontal layer. We're not building a compute engine here. And what we're trying to do is make it so that your data can be completely interoperable and, and useful from the query engine of your choice. So, um, like if you have data locked up in RDBMS systems, event streams, other apps and services, you want to make use of that data, make it analytics ready. One house can very easily take it from those type of sources to a data lake in well-formed tables. Um, Apache Hootie is what we uh, primarily rely on. We also announced a one table, which will interrupt that metadata between Delta Lake and Iceberg. If people are interested in these kind of uh, uh, projects, we can talk more. Um, yeah. And then your data is analytics ready for, for any of these engines. If you want to use Databricks, the best Spark experience. If you want to use um, Starburst with Trino, you want to use, I mean, uh, Flink got acquired by Confluence. So maybe you're, uh, or I mean, Imarok, I should say, Imarok did. So maybe you want to use uh, uh, something like that as well. Uh, I think you had Seller Data on a show recently as well. Yeah. So, you know, Starrocks, Seller Data, they're, they're working on uh, Apache Hootie data sets as well. So, um, uh, great, great opportunities. I think it's it's about time to level the playing field across these and help people build future-proof um, um, nice. data stacks. Yeah, pretty interesting. Those were great insights, Kyle uh, Nadine. Thanks for sharing those. We have a few questions here and a few comments as well. Let's go we'll go out with comments first. Uh, one here from Sanjeev. And that's what uh, you mentioned about one of the big challenge being a data engineer in selection of uh, tool sets. Nowadays, we have so many options and it's sometimes confusing which one to use. Uh, have you come across such examples, Kyle, any time where, you know, you have a customer sitting just uh, there and asking you about so many tools out there, what to oh, choose, yeah. or maybe just 
in general as well when you're having discussion with your uh, data friends out there? Oh, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> the data landscape is evolving very fast. And there's so many new companies, so many tools, technologies emerging every day, every week. You know, check out the work from uh, there's a first first mark uh, venture capital firm. Yeah. Um, this man named Matt Turk, right? He, he published yeah. the MAD 2023 data landscape. Oh, my just a yeah. few weeks ago right oh it's an explosion man and you see you see how it's evolved he i think he did a nice linkedin post where he showed something from like 2012 or something right right versus 2023 and like how many companies are on the map luckily one house were on the map there um but yeah there's so many tools and technologies so sanjeev it's like um i see this all the time um people just struggling just to make a choice of what to use i've also seen like an interesting anecdote i've seen someone that was moving from uh, one uh, pretty tight uh, vendor ecosystem, and they were hoping to build on on data lakes, but they were mm. worried. They're like, hey, am I going from one pair of handcuffs to the next pair of handcuffs? <laughs> because yeah. they're like, they're picking one big vendor versus the other big vendor. And they're like, you know, what if I want to change again in the next three years, you know? And like, yeah. uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a fast moving um, um, data ecosystem. And, um, Making those choices, it's it's important to to pick things that will last longer than uh, three years, so you don't have to be in this turmoil of data migrations so often. Yeah, and it's still very difficult. I feel where you know you can't uh, have like it's ever evolving. Like with the Mad landscape itself, what Mad uh, you know uh, came out with, there are fourteen hundred yeah. plus vendors in there. Yeah, in various, uh, you know, uh, ecosystem. So you can't decide, but the space is evolving very quickly and uh, definitely looking out for something which is long-term and the right product always uh, works very well for all the enterprise-level companies. We also have another one uh, question here uh, from Ayush uh, from YouTube. So let's pick this one. How about cloud-scale analytics? What are your thoughts there? Anyone, Nadine, Kyle? You want to talk a little yeah, about that? Yeah, I feel like that's a broad question. Um, I, I feel like I want to double uh, ask, double click into this question. When you talk about yeah. cloud scale analytics, are you talking about, you know, scaling your application by yourself or a serverless type of component to this? Maybe Kyle. Yeah, I, Kyle, yeah, yeah. If we get uh, if we get more details, I wish we can answer even better. But I would say, like when you when I see this word cloud scale analytics, I'm thinking you know being able to scale um, uh, to any any type of workload that you throw at it, whether this is like terabytes, petabytes, exabytes, cloud scale analytics, building like global scale um, uh, applications. Um, and yeah, those those are where you need to make your smartest choices. And if you're building a, a data lake, if a data lake is in consideration, you should absolutely be considering um, a, a lake house type project like Apache Hootie. Um, there's uh, tons of uh, use cases and stories. Um, if you go to Apache Hootie's website, you'll you'll see how um, people are using it and uh, able mm. to achieve some amazing results. Things like um, Uber, Walmart, Robinhood, uh, TikTok, the folks at ByteDance built some of the largest data lakes on the planet uh, using this yep. and certainly cloud cloud scale analytics um, is is achievable with these type of architectures okay pretty interesting since uh, you you spoke about uh, uber uh, Kyle I have a question which is more around uber itself and can you tell us about first of all the hoodies creation and evolution and uh, and also what 
challenge was Uber actually solving back then, and what were the obstacles which were they, which they were facing with their data infrastructure? So, Nadine, do you, do you want to yeah yeah, uh, yeah. talk more about it? Yeah. So Hoodie was born um, in 2016 at Uber to help with transactions and updates and, and, and with Uber rights, basically. So previously, Uber had an internal data lake that was using a Hive Acid um, framework. And in this framework, there was no incremental processing, no updates, and so on. So you will get an entire uh, data back or data set back every one day or um or potentially every few hours, um, and you will have to compute the entire sync table, right? So you have to rerun the table. Back in twenty six or back in 2015, um, this was pretty standard. So U Uber fees heavy compute limitations and data freshness was in the 10 plus hours. Um, and for Uber rides, this is not sustainable, right? We're so used to a different life around Uber, like all of our lives have adjusted since Uber. So Uber helped build Hootie to help bring the data freshness um, down from 10 plus hours to about 15 minutes or so. And it also brought level transactions and updates to the data lake. And this was just the start. From there, there was more in technical investments, me to Hootie, and here we are today. So the thing with yeah. Uber is it faced these challenges because it had so much data to process early on. I think right. Uber and its data growth or data evolution was a lot faster than many companies back in 2015, right? So Uber was able to see these limitations um, early on and, and, and was able to adapt to it pretty early on. Um, and, and this is how Hoodie was designed to solve these things. So how do you bring transactional guarantees to Data Lake? How can you effectively work with streaming sources where you can handle bursty rights and late arriving data? Um, again, Uber was dealing with this back in 2015, 2016, um, and these challenges is what ins inspired um, Hoodie and Vinod built Hoodie. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are uh, pretty uh, cool insights about how it was. You know how it has evolved. But by, 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 when was it created? And uh, the other information that you gave Nadine. So pretty interesting. Uh, one quick question I wanted to pick your also from our audience, so we don't miss out, which is. Uh, yeah, this question came in a, a bit uh, early. How do you see the role of data engineering evolving in the context of a data stack and Lakehouse architecture? Pretty interesting. Kyle? I like, yeah, I like this question. Um, very insightful, Aditi. And um, the data engineering role, um, how it might be evolving with the emergence of a Lakehouse type architecture, I see that. Um, this is something to help make a data engineer's life easier. Someone internal, um, someone like in an internal one house Slack thread um, was asking a question. They're like, how did people build data lakes um, back in 2013, 2015? How did they build it before lake houses existed or this like architectural pattern? Mm -hmm. And it, it jogged my memory. I had to like go back because one of the first data lakes I built was in 2013. Um, for Office, and it was when we modernized for the new Office web apps, mobile apps, um, and and these kind of things. And and mm. that uh, jogging back past memory lane, it was like, wow, we had you know hundreds of terabytes of data, all the click stream usage, every click you do, and mouse movement, and error traces, all these things we were collecting all this telemetry, hundreds of terabytes from users around the world, and we would dump the raw files um, into a data lake. And then we would have like hourly processing jobs that would recompute everything. And then every 24 hours, we would batch compute, recompute everything. And then we would compute it like the last seven day windows 
all over mm -hmm. again, recompute the entire frame because of late arriving data, merging updates, these kind of things. And so the amount of compute we used was incredible and, and a lot of wastage of, of just reprocessing data just to be able to pull these things together. Because like I think Nadine called out, you know, data lakes are immutable file stores. So yeah. uh, previous to previous to these lake house projects like Apache Hoodie, you had to do this recompute. And now um, how to, to get to DT or your specific question, how that role of data engineering is changing is now you yeah. can treat now you can treat data lakes like they are data warehouses and you can apply merges uh, run delete statements you can um have you know you can count on acid transactional um guarantees um and you're able to unlock you know concurrency at the data lake scale you don't have to worry about multiple writers multiple readers coming into the same files corrupting the data you know, mm. taking down systems for like maintenance periods while you like reprocess or backfill some data set. None of that stuff has to exist anymore in the data lake. And so data engineers are now empowered to use the lakes more liberally, more freely um, and without having to like understand all the 20 plus pitfalls that commonly happen on the lake. Yeah. I, would, I would like to also say, like, when you're talking about like an there's all different types of stack within your data infra, particularly with your analytical data stack. You want to have a separate data system to do that because of the concurrency, because of the compute resources. And so there's this idea of it's kind of been there for the last three or four years. But now these best practices of building a separate analytical stack, which doesn't conflict with any transactional systems, is becoming a right. thing. Now within this analytical data stack, you have different systems coming into the space to handle different use cases. But in the case with the lake house, it's it's I, I, I call it the powerhouse because it can handle so much um, data can process it and give you near real time analytics within like a few minutes, like fives of minutes, um, and, and be efficient in working with different, um, diverse workloads, anywhere from the ingestions to the queryable side as well. So. Okay. Yeah. I think that definitely answers for Aditi and that's a very interesting question. It talks a lot about how things are changing, how things have changed. And uh, that brings me to another question for you, Nadine, is around the role of Apache OD in building a modern data lake house. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, Uber had so much data early on and it was able to um, adjust fast or, or make these switches within uh, its data infra to handle, you know, I don't know, terabytes, petabytes of data, a lot of data, basically. Um, but back in 2015 and 2016, there was there was no concept of a lake house. It didn't exist. I think Vinoth was like, we need to have transactional guarantees on the data because we have so much data. I don't know. I should let Vinoth talk more about that. But in the yeah. sense, like Uber definitely had a unique data journey that was a lot faster than a lot of companies. So now five, six years later, companies are facing similar challenges now with their data. And I think it's on par with what Uber faced. Um, so they want faster data, potentially cheaper storage and compute, and they want to avoid things like data replication. And they also want to be able to work with a diverse set of technologies like what Kyle mentioned mention um, in, in the vertical and, and trying to um, avoid these vertical silos essentially. So a, a project like Hoodie is unique in its sense that it can ingest, um, ingest mm. and process and manage data efficiently. Um, from there, it's Hoodie is not on the on the query side. 
you can integrate uh, multiple query engines. There was a question about interoperability um, in, in the chat. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put it in context here with Hoodie. You can integrate with uh, Presto or you can integrate with Trinio or, or other query engines to, to query the data that's in a Hoodie table. Um, in this sense, uh, there's no silos. You can just integrate it. And I know we're, we're working on building more support with different query engines, but there's a lot of query engines that are supported right now. Um, and so this is why I, this is, and then this is why lake houses are the powerhouses in the data stack. Lake houses like Hoodie are meant to handle these heavy workloads and integrate and easily integrate with different technologies to avoid um, these vertical silos, but also power your data applications to provide, um, you know, fresh data to uh, to your end users. Yeah. I think uh, uh, this is uh, uh, super interesting. Uh, also, another thing, uh, you know, just a follow-up question that I had was around also since you mentioned so much about Apache OD, but how does Apache OD support the real-time and batch data processing? And what are some of the benefits uh, of this approach? Like, I know you shared a bit about it, but have you had any? Uh, like, do you do you have any? uh you know uh diagrams that you can show us or anything that can you know uh that can give us more about insights around it would be helpful yeah um if i can share my screen i can just hop yeah. into the hoodie to the hoodie website oh very okay, cool. let, go let me go ahead and share my screen really quick while she gets it up there too Ravid, if you're able to post the link in the chat but that would help people oh, yeah. too. Follow yeah, I, yeah, I can't post in the chat, but I can share. But if you want to go to hoodie.apache.org, um, you can see kind of um, everything there. And so with Hoodie, you can ingest from all different sources. So if I go down, you have data streams, databases, cloud storage, um, and so on. Um, and then you can get ask, uh, ask guarantees. Um, you can also, once the once you ingest the data to a Hoodie table, which is you know on top of uh, some sort of data lake, you can build incremental pipelines, which is really important because you can only you can query um, new data that's coming into the table without uh, recomputing the whole table. You can also have different sorts of uh, table services, which can schedule and orchestrate things like clustering, compaction, and more. Um, and then you can also index your data as well for faster reads and writes. Um, and then from there, as I mentioned earlier, you can integrate with popular query engines to to query the data. Kyle, do you want to add more to this? Yeah, I think you covered it pretty well here. Um, Apache Udi, Udi, um like if you scroll down maybe to the features, like some oh, of the yeah. core features, features yeah. uh, that it's adding when, you know, you're integrating this whole e ecosystem, but now you're getting the mutable, mutable workloads. Um, yeah. Apache Hudi has a whole bunch of services under the hood. You can think of it as like core, like database uh, level, level features, things like um, indexing support, clustering, cleaning, compaction, um, like all these advanced features you come to expect from a database or data warehouse, these all can run on Rails with Apache Hoodie. Um, that's uh, another area where Hoodie is uniquely differentiated to be more than just a table format. It's you know a full-fledged data platform where you can take these services and 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 put them on Rails to run synchronously, asynchronously. There's so many different options um, to to get the workloads done. Um, but yeah, it's it's um, really an, an amazing project that can give you, you can unlock with with uh, uh, these kind of things, uh, 1000x performance improvements with how you write your data, read your data, um, incredible ways that you can 
uh, you know, the most common success stories I hear, especially from the, the big uh, logos that I listed earlier is the also the ways that you can shrink down the latency of your data, people going from 24 hour batch processing windows down to like minute level latencies, um, which is an incredible value add for your data stack. Yeah, I think one popular um, one one customer, Kyle, you worked with was Apna. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's. Yeah. Was... And that's one from uh, that's one from one house uh, specifically. They shared a blog. Um, that's a, a link that we could uh, share with with the folks as well. Um, yeah. If you search for for them, they shared a story about using um, one house specifically, even in beyond just uh, Apache Hoodie. Um, oh wow! Uh, Ravit, that's a that's a startup company in India. So if you have a lot of followers over there, probably some people will know about the company. Um, and they talked yeah. about. Um, how they were able to move from some slow, slower latencies and um, expensive compute to something that uh, was was pretty fast for them on Apache Hui. So, okay, pretty cool. Which company was this? Sorry, I missed it's it. It's called Apna. A P N A. Apna. A P N A. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, pretty cool. I, and what I've done for our audience is. Uh, those who want to check out the hoodie website as well, I have shared the link here. You can actually go and visit the hoodie website and uh, learn more about it. And uh, definitely, if you have questions, Nadine and Kyle are out there. You can always reach out to them on LinkedIn and ask more questions. Uh, also, just a quick reminder for our audience. I know a lot of folks have joined us a little late, but are there. We're doing a very cool giveaway to AirPods by one house, uh, so uh, don't hesitate to type in hashtag uh, one house in the chat and also please register for the event. Uh, so we have both the components out there and then we'll be choosing a winner in a week, but feel free to type in. Uh, also, uh, Kyla had another question here uh, around Delta Lake actually, and this was how is hoodie different from other table formats like Delta Lake uh, and Iceberg. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, yes, I was, um, I mentioned I worked for uh, Azure Databricks as a Microsoft employee and part of that Databricks yep. Microsoft relationship and was there from when we first launched Databricks. I was there when we first um, launched uh, Delta Lake, um, when we first wow. open sourced Delta Lake. And I've helped hundreds of customers modernize to this lake house kind of architecture. Um, with, right. with Delta Lake and now um, I switched camps over to uh, Apache Hoodie as well. Um, I've done a lot of research on the topic. Of course, it was uh, a big move for me to, to leave such a, a great position to come to a brand new startup no one had ever heard of. We were in stealth mode even when I joined. Um, so I've done a, mm -hmm. a ton of research. I actually uh, wrote this up in a, a blog. If I can share a screen, I can just show you yeah, some please. of these. It would be helpful. Um, let me get to the tab here. I like how you both have it so structured with yourself, uh -huh. even the blogs and talk about, you know, the things that you've done or uh, you have yeah. everything show and tell, which is very cool. Yes, yes. And if you are able to paste this blog in the chat, yeah. window, that's probably helpful for folks as well. Um, do yeah, you have it or that. I can message it to you on the side? Yeah, on the side, just put it in the private chat and I'll just amplify it sure. to our audience so they can uh, learn more about it. 
Okay, yeah, cool. and then people can read along while I show it on the screen. I'm not going to go through all the details here, but I'll just show you high level and then uh, try to answer that question. A popular question people have in their mind if they're thinking about data lakes or lake houses, they've probably heard of at least one of these three projects um, that are out there, Apache Hootie, Delta Lake, and Apache Iceberg. So Apache Hootie was born out of Uber with the um, Vinod Chandar, who created it, um, who is the founder CEO of our company, One House. Delta Lake, obviously, yep. with Databricks. Apache Iceberg was born at Netflix. Um, and yeah, they're three great, amazing projects. I think all three of them have really strong features and, and capabilities. Um, I created a, a matrix table and broke them down piece by piece. You got Hootie, Delta Lake, wow. Iceberg. And I've got links to all the docs. So I tried to make it you know, as transparent as I could so people can go verify and validate all the information um, on their own Very as cool. well. Um, and, and what you'll see... Um, kind of uh, standing out when you look at um, feature sets. Apache Hootie has a really rich set of features. Um, I mentioned some of these around um, uh, table table services, especially these, these operations around cleaning, compaction, file sizing, index management. Um, all these capabilities are uh, either manual or non-existent in, in the other projects. And I saw plenty of people struggle to... Um, take care of these operations while they're running their, their data platforms. So for example, um, if you have streaming type workloads or near real-time workloads and you're always writing to files or, or data sets and then you want to cluster or like sort the data, you have to rewrite mm. the data under the hood. And if you have a job that's trying to rewrite all the data at the same time as trying to like add some updates or change some um, uh, uh, data that's within there, you're going to have a lot of collisions because most of these projects run on a concurrency model that's called OCC, uh, Optimistic Concurrency Control. Um, and there it's kind of, you know, uh, hope for the best, hope for no uh, concurrency, hope for no collisions, right? But when you actually have mm. an environment where collisions are, are kind of high, um, you're going to start to run into challenges. We have a whole separate blog just on concurrency um, and those aspects too, if people want to check out later. But um, yeah, you can read through this um, blog. It, it does a thorough comparison on the three projects, the different features, the ecosystem support. This is Hootie on the left, Delta Lake in the middle, Iceberg on the right. So you can see um, how comprehensive these are. Um, when it comes to like engagement um, uh, from the community, because these are all open source projects, anyone can jump into these projects, contribute, build with the community. Um, Delta Lake has the most popularity, of course, driven by uh, one of the largest uh, data companies out there, uh, Databricks. Um, but Hootie and Iceberg are, are doing well also. When you look at engagement, um, like contributors, um, this was, oh. I published this uh, update in January. So these are December stats. You can see right. um, Apache Hootie, the number of authors here. Um, it's uh, certainly the, the project where a lot more people are like working together and, and it's a diverse community. Um, exactly. Yeah, you can go through and look at this on, on your own time. There's uh, details about feature, um, uh, specific feature highlights, use cases um, it talks about as well. And uh, yeah, so I'll leave this for, for people to go read on their own time. Yeah, I think okay. there, there was a question about use cases too that I saw came in. So this would be a mm -hmm. good part to look at and if you want to look at some successful stories with Hoodie and One House. Yeah, exactly. This would be, and what I've done for our audience is also I've shared the link with them. So anyone who wishes to learn more about it, want to look at the comparison, 
want to learn more about the features benchmarks uh, learn about the community this is the yeah. place so feel free to jump in in uh, i've shared the link here on youtube and linkedin so feel free to go ahead and uh, and if you have any suggestions kyle is out there is always yeah. open to suggestions uh, and ideas so feel free to you know uh, uh you know go and suggest something um and i talked to a lot of people on this topic in in the community so exactly. like reach out to me if you have any questions you know i've done the, the deep research on these areas and i've also seen the inside story in you know hundreds of companies that have done their own research and have done their own exactly. you know benchmarks things that aren't publicly shared or or exposed i've seen all the research documents from those as well and so i'm happy to share both my uh personal experience and and what i've learned about these projects along the Yeah and uh, you also might get some secret sauce from Kyle so that's the incentive <laughs> so feel free to jump in but uh, Tammy here say she's uh, she 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 likes your work and will look into oh, it Thanks, Kyle uh, all right one one quick question your uh, interesting one from Karthik and what he's asking is how Puri is helpful in solving data quality issues uh, you want to take Nadeen um yeah so for for data quality on um on the hoodie side when you when the data is ingested i feel like a lot of that will have to be managed on the user side for for data quality Kyle do you want to talk more about that Yeah sure yeah. there's um there's some cool features in Apache Hoodie which can help in data quality it's a broad it's a broad question right but um one that uh, first comes to mind if you go to Apache Hoodie's uh, website search in the search bar for what's called pre-commit validators um there's actually this really cool framework that when you are writing data or ingesting data or committing data there's this this thing that we call pre-commit validation and what it does is you can set an expectation of of data or data quality whether that is data meets uh it's in within a certain range set or it's not null or like you can set expectations you can customize code you can even write sql on these on these pre-commit validators and what happens then is as data is being written it can be validated um and um mm. then you can choose what to do if it doesn't meet that expectation if you want to quarantine it or do something else with it um and what this um what is actually really special about a lot of other there's there's great data quality projects out there i'm i'm excited about the future of some of these that that are building maybe mentioned great expectations some others but um here when you're writing data you have the ability to run these validations row by row um and mm. and otherwise if you're on the other side of the equation after it's written then you have to do like table scans and like read the entire data set to to do these um uh, uh checks and da- data quality validations so you have some advantages of doing it like at the writer um uh level and and row by row kind of implementations which is um really great you can catch individual rows before they're committed and really efficient fast ways to do it so awesome all right that's uh, very helpful for karthik i'm sure uh we have a uh, open question i might take that one but uh, before that i wanted to ask uh, so now getting to one house what are you guys building around the apache od what's the project about can you tell us more about that uh, because yes. i'm sure now we've spoken about so many things about apache od about you know data lake house uh, uh also about data engineering how the companies you know obviously about the hoodies creation how uber has solved those problems what were the uh, challenges that they were facing but now to getting to you know one house 
uh, I would love to learn more about what you guys are building there. Yeah, this is great uh, uh, topic. I think the world that I've seen, and this is how you know Vinod, the founder CEO of One House, and I first connected, was yeah. we went for a walk and we were chatting about uh, the data landscape, and of course Hootie and Delta and these things we just talked about. But um, yeah. Uh, the thing that was most exciting to me about One House and what we're building today is how to make data lakes easy and approachable. I, it, I, the way I kind of see it is if you want to use a data warehouse, you pick it up off the shelf, you turn the key, it's running, it's on, you, you use it, right? Right, SQL. Um, but what I've seen um, over the years and with countless um, um, enterprises and even startups is it's tough to build a data lake. People routinely take three to six engineers, you know, six months to build a data lake. And the underlying data yeah. infrastructure, it crosses several different domains of technology. And you need specialized engineers to really build and operate um, like a production ready uh, a data lake for, for your platform. And so One House, we're taking these amazing features that um, Nadine and we just talked about of, of Apache Hootie, right. and we're automating these services and running them on Rails as like a cloud native SaaS uh, application. So I'll share a screen even and sh just show you like our, um, yeah. our uh, product page here. Let me share a screen. This might make it easier to have some visuals that go along with this. Sounds good, yeah. Okay, so wow. this first diagram looks really similar to maybe what you saw on the Apache Hootie website, right? Where um, you right. have the sources and destinations here. The idea is if you have data that's up in some um, uh, streams, whether it's Kafka or Pulsar, or, um, whatever messaging bus you might have, or databases, RDBMS systems, or your data is already sitting in what you might feel is more of a data swamp, uh, one house can automatically um, ingest this data. Uh, we have uh, features around the continuous data ingestion. So you can have um, jobs where you don't have to think about compute. It's kind of like a serverless experience. You point to the sources, you tell it to um, uh, read in this data, and now it's writing Hootie tables um, on, your, on your data lakes. And we will take care of, uh, we'll automate all this data management um, and tedious chores around file sizing, partitioning, cleaning, while the data is ingesting, like if you have done one of these data ingestion projects yourself, if you're going from something like a, a database, like a Postgres, um, usually the, the popular thing to do today is, is grab like a Debezium and a Kafka and you expose like the, the change logs, the wall logs from Postgres, and then you bring them in and then you write jobs that will like uh, understand the change log format and apply the updates, deal with the late arriving data. There's a lot of effort that mm. goes into this, where here it's a point and click kind of system. We even have APIs where you can automate um, this like underlying infrastructure as a deployment um, and you can define pipelines and, and run them. Um, you can define a low code style um, incremental ETLs um, and at the end of the day, what we also do is once your data is written into Hootie tables on the lakes, then we sync it to the catalogs mm. of your choice. Um, by so doing, like, say, for example, you're an AWS shop and you've got your Glue catalog handy, we'll sync all the data to your Glue catalog. And then any data analysts or data scientists, when they crack open, say, an Athena or they crack open some other tool, they'll see the tables registered there in your catalog. And they can just start analyze, just like uh, get um, SQL statements running on it. Um, so we're trying to give this like plug and play experience, analytics ready data sets um, uh, at your fingertips. So we'll sync this to even multiple catalogs. You want it to BigQuery, um, you want it to uh, Data Hub, 
you name it. We just announced the um, project called One Table, where, um, yeah. you know, someone in the comments earlier was talking about like choice, right? And being like confused about yeah. the choice of which technology. This is certainly one of those where there's three uh, really good open source projects, Hootie, Iceberg, and Delta, and people are stuck in this like um, choice analysis. And they're like, right. hey, but if I pick one, you know, Snowflake, they love Iceberg, um, but uh, Databricks loves Delta or AWS loves Hootie or, you know, and it's like, okay, which do I choose? Mm -hmm. Because I might get, yeah. you know, trapped one day on being one or the other. But with one table, you can feel confident that like your data, you write once and then we'll interrupt this metadata across any of these layers and you can unlock wow. the best performance accelerations from Databricks and their Photon um, layers and extra caching, or even Snowflake with their recent developments with um, Iceberg native tables. Um, you could take advantage of all these um, uh, things with your data written once, centrally managed, um, and available to you. So um, I think it's a, a, a pretty cool experience and, and ways where you can, instead of taking three to six engineers, six months to a year to build, now you can do this in minutes. Um, wow. um, point and click, your your data platform is up and running. You don't have to worry about the on call and maintenance of of running these nice. platforms. Yeah, no, I think uh, definitely, Kyle. There are so many options. Uh, you you've kind of put it out there for the audience. So many options, uh, but at the same time, you've also narrowed it down that these are particularly options. You know, time saving options that you can take yeah. and do it in minutes so uh, pretty pretty cool uh what are you building with one house and uh, can't wait to see more progress in the coming few months i know for a fact where you guys are already on the run there's so much uh that uh, how big is the one house team by the way yeah one house we just came out of uh, stealth mode almost uh yeah in february of last year so oh. like exactly a year ago we came out of stealth mode and at that time we were a few people huddled around a desk um, incubating out of a Greylock office in Menlo Park. Now we've um, doubled, tripled our team. We're up to about 30, is it right, Nadine? Um, oh, about yeah, 30. 25 ish to 30, somewhere yeah, around. Yeah. We're hiring, and, by the way. Yeah, we're very engineering heavy. We're building our go to market team right now. So shout out if, if you're in uh, sales, marketing, um, solutions engineering. We're still hiring engineering too. So we've got a lot of open roles on our on our onehouse.ai. You'll see like a careers page. Go, go follow and see if there's openings that look good to you. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I think uh, in uh, at least in this time of the year and even uh, almost the last six months have been rough for a lot of people. So this is the opportunity you can definitely go check out and work with cool people like Kyle and Nadine. So uh, that's that, that's uh, a cool incentive. I know we know it very well. He's a very cool guy. So definitely I can vouch for one hours if, if you feel like working there. So there's one quick question here uh, from John that I wanted to pick. Uh, so how does pre-commit validation work with semantic interoperability? And so one app holds acronyms or codes and another holds equivalent expansion. Is there a mapping function in OD? Let me grab the documentation page on this and see if it's helpful for the conversation. Yeah. Pre-commit, I am looking for pre-commit validators. If you find it faster than me, Nadine, let me know. Pre-commit validators. Here it was. And this is the cool thing what I like about you guys, which is 
show and tell bring on the references bring yeah. it right for the audience uh in uh, that's that's very cool so yeah. by the time kal you bring that up uh, a quick question yeah. for nadeen your uh, that i wanted to bring up okay you got it all right so, yes, yes, so let's 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 bring this up for okay so uh, john your um, It's not a, a friendly documentation here. This is uh, some code in GitHub. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I can help answer the question, John, about how does pre-commit validation work. Um, so um, this is this is um, in the Apache Hootie code base. You can go to client validator pre-commit validation, um, and here you're able to um, come down and you'll see uh, different types of uh, classes where you can. Um, specify like you'll get you'll get the data row set that will come in um and the row set then you can write uh, either in like java scala or, or sql um statements that will validate the record um i think there's another function that i could look at there's like examples inside the code base if we had time we could go uh, search for and bring them up um but you your question said john you said So one app holds acronyms or codes and another holds equivalent expansions is there a mapping function in hootie so i don't exactly understand the full breadth of the question here but um what i would say is that you can define these commit validations um uh, mm -hmm. via the the different me methods that i that i mentioned and then you're able to you can check those in um to a like a git devops kind of system if you want um and then you can um attach these in your um write statements when you go to use apache hootie um you know you're thinking if you're using spark you might say something like spark um dot write dot format hootie and then you can add a like a dot options you can specify the pre-commit validators inside the options uh configs um and then you're able to as the data is being written row by row uh run it against your validators I don't know if that helped uh, um or if it was more confusing hopefully it did uh, some good for you. <laughs> I would also yeah. say yeah. feel free to reach out on the Hoodie Slack channel too and we can Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, I have actually shared the uh one house uh website your onehouse.ai and uh, there if you go below you can also find the Slack in Nadine Kyle both are out there they are very are uh, responsive so you can always reach out through slack it's much easier uh, for a lot of folks but nadine i was asking you one question about uh if folks want to learn more about apache hudi where can they find some resources one is the website for sure so website should do the work or do you have any other documents that they can uh learn from yeah i can share my screen really quick and i can sure uh, let me do that um okay and so, Kyle uh, John says will do uh so he he okay. got it he got your stuff yeah okay so if you want to join the community there's a couple ways to get involved but you can go to um community syncs um when you go under community syncs there's a there's a button to join our slack channel i'm there and there's a few nice. members and contributors there um committers there as well we also hold um weekly office hours and um Uh, monthly oh, wow. community sinks so a lot of people come in with their questions and we have pmc members and um committers that are there to help answer your questions as well awesome so this is pretty cool uh, office hours slack channel very responsive very cool 
Uh, and we always right. wear two yeah. hats here at one house. We have, we have the open source hat and then the, the product hat as well. So in addition to finding us in the open source channels, if you want to just chat about product, you can go to, through our website. There's uh, ways to get in contact us on the top um, through the try it free uh, uh, buttons and you'll get in contact us that way too. Awesome. This is pretty cool. I'm just checking if we have any other questions here for, uh, okay, one last question. Actually, I wanted to pick John's question here and uh, which was, which is a very quick question. So based on what Kyle uh, was explaining, interpretability is at the meta level. Yes. Yes. And I'll show a diagram that makes this uh, pretty easy to got it handy here. Share screen. Uh, this okay yes because this was in context right. of one table if i remember right uh, john the question that was coming so it, there's a blog here from the website announcing one table you can read there's this helpful diagram that's here let me see if i can zoom this if it makes it easier to see for the readers hopefully that's close enough um yeah what what we do here yeah it's interoperability at the metadata layer john so um your data is written once and under the hood like all three of these projects it's parquet files under the hood right and these parquet files then have thin metadata layers for apache hoodie delta iceberg that describe how to access the data faster more efficiently do schema evolution all these like uh, different features are run through the metadata and so what we do with one table is you know we, the specs are open for delta and iceberg and we can interop that metadata um, to Delta metadata, which then can be leveraged by the native accelerations and data bricks, or the Hootie data can be yeah. um, represented as iceberg metadata. So the end user, um, you know, it's all the same data. It's not rewritten data. And the user will like use a read client that doesn't know the difference, whether it's Delta, Hootie or iceberg, because the metadata is, is translated appropriately. Awesome. There is another question about schema on read or schema yes. on write. Hoodie, hoodie out of the box supports schema on write. Yep, and this is what I wanted to pick from Sanjeev. So I believe Hoodie follows the schema on write rather than uh, schema on read. Uh, is that uh, the right understanding? Yeah, but then there's configs that you can adjust uh, to have schema on read. So if you want to learn more about it and you're working with Hoodie, reach out on the community Slack channel and I can kind of chair guide you there. Awesome. Sanjeev, you got it in uh, uh, John, uh, found it very informative. So thanks for uh, putting it out very well, Kyle and Nadine. And that also, uh, I was enjoying this and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but keeping time in mind, definitely, uh, you know, one hour team, Apache OD, uh, and, uh, you know, you guys have such interesting insights. Kyle, can't, Kyle Nadine can't wait to host you back on the Ravid show. I'm sure uh, I'll have a good chat with Vinod as well. And he might share about the early days too. Uh, so uh, pretty interesting things that you're building up. Uh, thanks once again for coming on the Ravid show, sharing such amazing insights about what you guys are building. And uh, for our audience as well, uh, you can reach out to them on Slack. You can go out on LinkedIn as well and, uh, you know, just put out a message to Nadine and Kyle and they'll be happy to help you give some information if you want to chat uh, and if you have ideas. And uh, if you're looking uh, 
to join them as well so this is a good opportunity where they are hiring so uh, pretty pretty cool stuff that uh, Kyle and Nadeen and the one house team are doing so give them a follow and uh, uh, don't don't hesitate to reach out to them thank you once again Kyle Nadeen thank you thank you awesome all right